Life Audio. Today's psalm is one that Jesus quotes in several places in the New Testament. And while I know we've been talking about this throughout our psalm studies, this is a really important one because it sums up his kingship. So as we dive into today's psalm, I pray it's going to be a blessing for you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are continuing our devotional psalm series through Psalm 110. And if you're just joining us, we're going through one psalm a day. We're almost towards the end. We're in that last stretch, that last 40 psalms. And the reason why we're doing that is... The Psalms were really the hymn book and the prayer book of Jesus. And in our journey to hear God's voice more clearly, one of the things that I thought was really important is to understand the things that would have been in the heart of Jesus and the disciples. Because we know from the New Testament that the book of Psalms is the Old Testament book that they quote the most often. And so as we go through the Psalms, today's Psalm is one of those Psalms that is very, very clearly connected to the New Testament. Jesus himself quotes it. So that's so important for us to study. If you would like to dig a little bit deeper, every Monday I send out a free newsletter. You can go to shehears.org to sign up for that. And in that newsletter, I send out journaling prompts. And I don't know about you, but for me, journaling is really, really helpful. It helps me get the information from my head and into my heart. And so that's free. Those journaling prompts go out once a week. If you would like the journaling prompts from previous episodes, those are also available on my website. If you go to shehears.org, go to the resources section, and you can look for the Psalms guided journals there. Those guided journals are a really good way to do the psalm study. It has a link to the audio devotional. It has the key verse. It has the journaling prompt question and then space to actually write out your journaling. You can do that on an iPad or you can print it out, whatever works for you. But again, just an additional resource as well as lots of other Bibles and and things, Bible studies that you'll find there. So as we're going through the Psalms, I'm actually reading today from the New Living Translation. I'm going to start at verse 1 of Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You were a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. 
The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings when his anger erupts. He will punish the nations and fill their lands with corpses. He will shatter heads over the whole earth, but he himself will be refreshed from brooks along the way. He will be victorious. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I think sometimes the NLT makes it a little bit easier for us to understand. While we know that scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. And what I mean by that is the original audience that this was written to had a different understanding culturally than some of the things that we understand. We're so far removed from that kind of culture, that kind of society, that sometimes it's difficult to understand what they understood. And so the heart behind this series is really to help you have just an, a glimpse of what they would have understood that wasn't necessarily explained in the text. And I think that's really helpful for us. So this psalm opens up and what we recognize right away is that it is a royal hymn. And it centers on two essentially divine oracles or by oracles, I mean like, like prophetic words that are directed to the king. And so the title of this Psalm names David as the composer of the Psalm, but the first verse in the original context shows us that this is an, an oracle or a prophetic word from God, the Lord to the king, my Lord. And so you notice the differences, the Lord and my Lord. So in other words, this psalm is addressed to the king. It's not given by the king, although that title is a little bit confusing when we first look at it. But the understanding of that kingship royalty psalm is what allows the New Testament authors to apply this psalm in a little bit different of a way. Psalm 110 was delivered at the temple by a prophet could have been somebody that worked in the temp the temple as a functionary or was part of the 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 people in Israel that would be responsible for putting into office that newly minted king. And so this royal psalm is essentially anticipating the military victory that the new king would have over his enemies. And then it announces that this king, who would also be a warrior, will also be a priest and not in the line of Aaron, but in the order of Melchizedek. So this psalm could be a coronation psalm like some of the other psalms we've seen, but it might also have been used as a pre-battle hymn that they would have sung before going into battle. I think that's really important and I don't want you to miss this. This psalm is talking about a king's military victory over his enemies. And it also announces that this king, who will also be a, a victorious warrior, will also be a priest, but not in the line of Aaron. Who does that sound like? Right? So it sounds like Jesus. So what we see at the very beginning of this psalm, all the way starting at verse one, is it's this prophetic word that is addressed by God to the king. And we're seeing this, this envisioned as a warrior and that warrior will subdue the king's enemies and to sit at God's right hand. We've talked about this before. It was symbolic. It was a position of honor and power. God is the ultimate king and the human king here on earth is his agent that he is using on earth. And so the picture that we see here is the enemies of the king are the footstools and that's going to point to the dominance that the king has and the control that the king has. And then also this element of humiliation of the enemy. 
there's so many parallels here between the actual kingship that we're talking about in the in the time of David and then Jesus as the king, the eternal king. Moving down to verses two and three. So through the activities of war, it talks about how God is going to extend the king's rule. And that's represented by the scepter. He's going to extend the king's rule from Zion, which is the location of the temple. And he's going to extend that to the place where God made his presence known among his people and into the heart of the enemy's land. Again, who does this sound like? It sounds like Jesus, right? It's this dual purpose. It's a prophetic psalm that is talking about not just King David's rule, but then also King Jesus's rule. So the king's army will be eager and prepared for battle. And that's that's also how we as believers should be engaged as God's human army. You can read about that more in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Um, but think about that in terms of when we are ready for battle, we're, we're prepared, we're engaged as God's human army. We are not just passively going through this life, but we are prepared. We are armed with the armor of God to actually go into battle. And then it talks about the dew. Think about this dew. It appears suddenly and mysteriously in the morning. And it's likening that to the king's army that's also going to appear suddenly and mysteriously. So dew in in Israel, Israel's climate was really dry. And so dew in a dry land like Israel is going to be a metaphor or an allusion to the freshness and the vigor and the energy of the young soldiers from the army. I want to jump down to verse 5, section 5 through 7. In the first verse, the king was described as sitting at God's right hand. So now God, the Lord, is at the king's right hand, protecting him and fighting on his behalf. And the results that we see is that the king will have victory over the other kings of the earth. This is very similar to what we saw in Psalm 2, if you remember all the way back. This battle is not for imperialistic purposes. It's not a battle for gaining land or gaining rule over a certain part of land. But instead, it's a matter of judgment on those who are going to die in battle. And so the picture here drinking from the brook shows that although the work will be hard, there's going to be a refreshment along the way. There's going to be victory at the end. When it says he will lift his head high, that's talking about victory. We're going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, we're going to continue unpacking the rest of the psalm. Stay tuned. So as we're looking at the interpretation of this psalm, there's lots of features that help us recognize that this is not just about the fall of the monarchy that we know that happened after David's rule, but this is also talking about the king, the eternal king that is going to eventually take the place on the throne. And so the authors of the New Testament recognize that this psalm is ultimately finding its fulfillment in who? 
in Jesus. And so they read this psalm as if David is this prophetic voice that is communicating this prophetic word that is concerning David's Lord, which would eventually be the Messiah, Jesus. And so this first oracle or this first prophecy where it says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, that is often referred to in the context that indicates Jesus as the post-resurrection king. And he's talking about the conflict between God and the spiritual powers of darkness. We read about that in Acts chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians 15, in Ephesians 1, in Colossians 3, in Hebrews 1, in 1 Peter 3. We see it throughout the New Testament, this ongoing battle. But yet we know that ultimately victory is in God. I think that's important to point out because I think sometimes people think that when we become believers in Jesus, when we become followers of Jesus, that there is no more battle because the battle is already won. And while that is true, the battle is already won, there's still lots of battles along the way. So I think maybe it's important to think about in terms of the war is won, but there's lots of battles that we can have opportunity for victory along the way. When we get from point A to point B, there's going to be lots of opportunities for battle because we live in this fallen world. We live in the wor- in a world where there is spiritual darkness. As much as God is real, the enemy is real as well. And any believer who's been a believer for any length of time can usually attest to the fact that they've been under spiritual attack. That's essentially what's, what he's talking about here. Jesus actually talks about this verse in Matthew 22, and I'm going to read it for you. Starting at verse 41, it says, Then surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, He is the son of David. Jesus responded, Then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one can answer him, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. See, what the Pharisees were doing is they were looking to David as superior to the Messiah. And so what Jesus is doing is he's arguing that the Messiah is superior to David. And the Pharisees didn't want to believe that. And so Jesus is using these hermeneutical principles to make his point. And since the original audience would understand that passage as an oracle of God to David, he's using that fact to make this point. And so the fact that this title names this psalm as a composition of David would lead, lend credibility to how Jesus was reading it. And then the second oracle is talked about by the author of Hebrews when he presents Jesus as the ultimate high priest. He says, you are a priest forever and in the order of Melchizedek. In verse 4, he, you can read about that in Hebrews chapter 5 and then again in um, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 7. So in Hebrews, the author combines these two oracles of the psalm to speak of Jesus as the high priest who was seated at God's right hand. And Hebrews uses Genesis 14 and this psalm, Psalm 110, to argue that Jesus is the ultimate high priest, even greater than Aaron. That was a huge issue because... Again, the religious leaders of the time were not recognizing him as Messiah. So here Jesus is claiming his kingship. He's claiming that he is the Messiah is greater than all these other kings. And they were still in this mind frame of earthly king. And he's trying to show them, no, this is eternal kingship.
So I love how Jesus uses the scriptures to prove his own reign and rule as, as the eternal king. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and read starting again at verse one. The Lord, now remember what I said, the Lord and my Lord, pay attention to that. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings when his anger erupts. He will punish the nations and their fill their lands with corpses. He will shatter their heads over the whole earth, but he himself will be refreshed from brooks along the way. He will be victorious. Father God, we thank you that you are a God that is victorious, that all the way back, we can see your handprint from the scriptures, from the Psalms, all the way through to the New Testament. God, we thank you for the way that Jesus identifies himself as the eternal King, the one that puts our enemies under his footstool. God, we thank you that the war is won, but Lord, help us to recognize that there are still battles to be fought and battles to be won, that we are living in a season where there is great spiritual battle. God, I pray for a hedge of protection around my friends that may be going through this spiritual battle right now. God, help them to remember that you are on the throne. No matter what happens, you are on the throne, that this isn't just a fight but it's a rigged fight and you're going to win. God, we thank you for your peace and your presence and we praise you as the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, are you needing a couple more resources? I want to let you know that in addition to the resources I mentioned today on the show, I have a whole section of my website called the resources page. There is a free download for a seven day devotional. There are lots of Bibles, journaling Bibles, note taking Bibles. There's my Bible study, She Hears, which is a Bible study about Jesus and the book of John and six women that he interacts with. He encourages, he calls, he equips. And then in that Bible study, I teach teach the color method. And the color method is designed for you to be able to take that method and use it on any passage of scripture. So I encourage you to check that out if you're finding that you need some additional resources to dig a little bit deeper. I pray those are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.